Hello and welcome again to the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. We're glad you've joined us as we continue in our series that we have titled Bible Words. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at the college. And we are honored and pleased again to have the head of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Haley, sharing with us today as we continue in a podcast that uh, was started la- uh, our last episode on the word love. And uh, Dr. Halen's been a, a regular in our leadership podcast series. He's currently entering his 30th year of teaching here at Dallas Christian College as we start this fall semester. And joining Dr. Halen is the head of our practical ministries department, Dr. Eddie Sanders. I know this is going to be a great series, and I'm looking forward to what Dr. Halen and Dr. Sanders are going to be sharing uh, not only today, but in the weeks ahead as we continue in our Bible Word series. But Dr. Sanders, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you set up what we're going to discuss today. Our focus in the Bible Word series is on getting a Bible word from their world into ours. And we're in the middle of the word love that is found throughout Scripture. And Dr. Halen, if you'd remind us of your definition and then take us away with agapo. Okay. Uh, love is a, the biblical notion of love is to act intentionally in sympathetic response to others to promote blessing and well-being for the other. The focus of biblical love is thus giving rather than receiving. In fact, it's even more than mutual receiving. Because love seeks to promote blessing for the loved one, it always seeks to turn evil and destructive things in the circumstances of the loved one or in the loved one, his himself or herself, it seeks to turn those evil and destructive things toward the good. Therefore, love is not indifferent to the moral state of the loved one, but it goes on, but it goes out to all persons irrespective of their moral preparedness or holiness. So it is inclusive, is inclusive in who it reaches out to in love, but is not necessarily inclusive of what is going on in the loved one in terms of acceptance. That, so, that is ahead. very helpful for our culture. Yeah. Last session, we talked about how in the Old, the Old Testament verbiage of Ahav and Hesed, there are ideas of choosing. They're often conjoined with intentional acts of choosing. And the idea of long-term, durable benevolence, uh, acting for the loved one in uh, a a trustworthy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trustworthy, dependable, dependable fashion. When we get to the New Testament, as most of our listeners are going to know, the primary word that she used for love, the primary word group, is the agapao agape word group. Agapao is the verb, agape is the noun form. Uh, and it's fascinating to think about what was going on with that word in New Testament times. Because this word is not found much outside of the New Testament and outside of the Septuagint in other Greek literature. 
it appears that it was kind of a just kind of a blase word for love that was not in much Greek literature. Uh, the words that were found in Greek literature to talk about love were eros, from which we get erotic, okay, which was is about passionate sexual love, romantic love, and uh, phileo or philos, which is family, familial love. Uh, those are the words that appear in most Greek literature. Agapao and agape, not so much. There's like only four known instances outside of biblical literature of this word. So it appears that what the New Testament writers were doing was trying to do an end around around other Greek words that didn't quite fit what they were trying to communicate and to fill with meaning the word they did select. And, and I think we see this happen in the New Testament literature when we look at the context of how the noun agape is used, how the verb agapao is used. We start seeing the biblical writers fill in notions of love in the context. And those notions of love are the same ones we saw in the Old Testament. Notions of choice and selection, intentional acts that might work against your own self-interest to bring about blessing in the life of the other, and the notion of stick-to-itiveness, faithfulness. That was the word I was looking for earlier, was faithfulness. So let's go and look at some some, uh, passages where, where this is played out. Perhaps one of the most famous passages would be in Matthew 5. 43 through 46 in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. By the way, that's never found in the Old Testament. That's just something that they said in the first century, and he's about to take that on head on. But I say to you, love your enemies. Again, you can't do that if your notion of love is simply have warm feelings for. I intentionally choose to bless my enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Ah, that brings blessing. Prayer brings blessing. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the, on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The way God loves us, the way God loves the world, is he doesn't look for the worthiness of the receptor of the love. He sends his rain on everyone. And so we act to bless the world, whether they are deserving, in quotes, of it or not. He goes on uh, to, to, to say, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So here we have this idea, again, of choice. You choose to despise. You choose to honor. You choose to hate. You choose to love. In chapter 22 of Matthew, he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
Now, mind clearly conveys volition, thought pattern. And that's going to become very important in passages we're going to look at here in a few moments, that, that love is a thinking man's game, yeah. that you have to think and decide and use wisdom to love people. It doesn't come naturally. It is not simply an emotional response. So mind carries that out. I would contend that heart also does, because for the Hebraic, and again, Jesus is a Jew who's talking to a bunch of Jews. In the Old Testament, the heart is the idea of your volition. Uh, it's less about your passions, less about your emotions, about your volition. I think you're reminding us of your definition again here. It's acting intentionally. Mm-hmm. Often with the other views of love, it's something that kind of happens to you and you fall into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is very yeah. intentional. You don't fall into, into biblical love. No. You step into it because you've decided to move into it. So so let's let's take a look at 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 some other passages where where we see some of the, the dynamics we've been talking about. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 and and our listeners will have to you know excuse the flipping of pages that they're hearing in their ears. Okay. Philippians uh, 1 verses Uh, 9 and 10 says, And it is by prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, he goes on in verse 11. Notice Paul conjoins the idea of love with knowledge and discernment. So again, you don't just simply f- kind of stumble your way. You discern your way into love. Love is is associated with wisdom here, and it's also associated that with with the idea of approving that which is excellent, so you may be pure and blameless. So there is discernment. When you love someone, you must sometimes say, "No, this is destroying you." My wife loves me, and she we've been married for, you know, 35 years, and she knows me quite well, and she knows, like everyone else on campus pretty much knows, I'm a workaholic. And so one of our, our evening routines is she will walk past me, usually as I'm sitting at my computer, and she'll say something like, I'm going to bed. You probably ought to go to bed also because you need rest. Okay? <laughs> she knows me. She knows that I don't get the rest I probably need, and so she corrects me every evening because she loves me. She doesn't just let me. She doesn't just go, well, that's Mark. He's just going to stay up until he falls asleep, and then he'll wake up and go, oh, I probably need to be in bed. Be in bed. No. She loves me. Therefore, she corrects me. And so I think we see this, this notion of discernment and, and being willing to correct. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 14, we see kind of like a miniature of 1 Corinthians 13's love chapter where Paul says, Put on then God's chosen ones, notice choice, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So again, this, this, this has echoes of... Uh, or parallels, not really echoes, of 1 Corinthians 13 and also Galatians 5, 22 and 23, fruit of the Spirit passage. And and one of the things that, I, that struck me even this morning as I was kind of looking at this passage is not only does Paul describe love as like the cloak that or the, the belt that binds all these virtues that he listed together, you know, uh, he also, at the end of the list of those virtues, highlights forgiveness. Notice everything else just had the word, but when he got to forgiveness, he slowed down. And he described, you've experienced forgiveness, and so you must forgive. And then he goes on to speak of love, which I think signals that forgiveness may be the highest act of love, the highest act of, of biblical love. And so so I think you know, it is important to, to, to see these virtues and notice that these all require us to think through things. We have, to, we, we have a natural tendency not to be kind. We have a natural tendency to puff ourselves up. So no, we have to choose to be humble. We have to choose to be kind. We choose to be meek. We have to choose to be patient because love is intentional. It's not just a feeling, and, and, and we have to work on it as believers. It is part of our growth as believers. It doesn't come instantly. As, as the image you used just a few moments ago, we have to step into this. Yes. We don't fall into it. We have to act intentionally and step. And sometimes it's hard. Yes, and, and requires constant diligence uh, to get on a walking program. If I go outside and I walk for 20 minutes one day, I'm not on a walking program yet. <laughs> okay, uh, I have to choose to do that every day, yeah. not skip days. I have to choose to do it against my own self-interest at many times. So, One of the most famous places where love appears, and we've already – mentioned this is in Galatians 5. I want to take us, uh, we're going to get to the, the listing of the fruit of the Spirit, but I want to take us a little bit earlier in the passage first. In verse, verse 6, Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Notice the conjoining of love and faith here. And, and, uh, I think that's important because it reminds us that to love requires trust. Our trust in God and in Christ. We trust that we are loved by him and we are secure. And because we feel secure, we are now free to love even our enemies, to love those who we don't know. Uh, so I think love stem, flows flows not out of necessarily but but is is flows in a confluence with with faith 
uh, in chapter, in verse uh, 13 and 14. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love is other-focused. And again, God loves us with no guarantees of our return of love. He sends his reign on the just and the unjust. So we love with no guarantees, except the guarantee that we will be blessed by God. And then verses 22 and 23, for the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. They puts love at the beginning because they are the summation of all that follows in the list. And notice he said fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, a singular fruit, versus works of the flesh earlier. That signals that the source is ultimately from God. And, and fruit, I learned this in high school biology, fruit is evidence of a healthy, living, mature plant that is ready to reproduce. Mm. And I think that's why Paul chose the image of fruit. And finally, I want to go to 1 John. To 1 John. Uh, get my right chapter and verse here. Um, chapter 4. Seven and eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. okay. I was looking at the wrong chapter. That's why I wasn't reading what it was supposed to be. Uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Hmm. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. For the love of God was made manifest among us, and God sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if, we, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. One of the key things in that passage, perhaps the key thing that we need to be reminded of, is first of all, we love because God loved us. To love in the biblical sense of love, we must be infused by God's spirit and infused by God's love. We cannot do this on our own. And that's when a key difference between our culture's understanding of love and biblical love. Our culture's understanding of love, as wrong and messed up as it is, stems ultimately from the idea that I produce it. No, God produces the love that scripture speaks of. The infusion of love from God always precedes any profusion of love that we as his followers enact. Uh, we can't do this ourselves. So how do I get that infusion? I have to open myself up to it. And just like James says, if any of you lack wisdom, pray for it. We have to pray. For love, because that's how we receive any gift that God wants to give us, is asking. Asking and then opening ourselves up for the gift that he longs to give us. That's good. Yeah, I can't help but, uh, and, and I think 
uh, as you were talking, just the the tragedy that the pandemic has had in isolating people from the ability to to interact and and give like yeah we, I know people can can worship at a distance I know they can give to charities I know there's a lot of things that can happen and for lack of a better word remotely <laughs> or virtually but there's something about even the three of us being in this room right here Dr. Halen Dr. Sanders and myself interacting together that allows a deeper fellowship and a deeper love to occur and I love what you say. Yeah, it, it happens in community. It can't happen by yourself. It begins with our relationship with God and expresses it itself with our relationship with others. So great stuff. If you did not listen to the previous episode in which Dr. Halen uh, looks at Old Testament uh, definitions of love and some of the words there, I would encourage you to, to certainly check that out. But again, we're, we're thankful that you have Uh, chosen to spend some time with the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. Uh, If you want to learn more about who we are and some of our degree programs, as well as scholarships that are available, you can check us out at www.dallas.edu. We are committed to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And you can learn more about us by going to our website. Again, thank you for joining us today. We're going to continue in our Bible Word series in a couple of weeks, but we are are thankful that you have chosen to spend some time with us today. Have a great day. Take care. Stay safe. And we'll catch you next time.